Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Guys, me and Stephanie Goss getting into a big one today. What you gonna do about getting your staff vaccinated? How's that gonna happen at your practice? What are you, are you gonna just be like, everybody needs to get it and they're all gonna go, okay, and then they're gonna go and do it. I hope that works out for you. That would be amazing. I don't think it's going to happen, and neither do you. This is going to be interesting. Uh, What are you going to encourage? What are you going to incentivize? What are you going to require? What is that conversation going to look like? That's what Stephanie Goss and I get into. But before we do, let me just let you know, I got something big coming up this weekend. The uh, Sunday after this episode drops, I'm doing my personal branding workshop. I would love to see it. It's two hours on Sunday. It's going to be fantastic. This is not a social media workshop. Don't think that it is. That's not it. This is a brand strategy, marketing strategy workshop. If you want to raise your uh, communication education game, if you want to lift up your art, if you're a writer or a blogger or a vlogger or a podcaster or a uh, person who wants to sell up ceramics that you make, I don't know. You could do that. I don't know. Uh, I'll help you out. Oh, We're going to talk about marketing when your focus is building trust and working with an individual as the center of the marketing campaign. That is personal branding. Uh, That is what I'm doing on Sunday. I'll put links down below. That's it. I've talked enough. Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. We are the world. I like that one. How's it going, Andy? Uh, man, it is pretty great. Um, it is pretty great. Good. We've got the spring here. My tulips are coming up. Like I planted tulips for the first time, and I was like, "This is what? Like, what am I doing? This is definitely an investment <laughs> that has a, a seventy-five percent chance of not paying off because I do not have what you'd call a green thumb." Um, <laughs> But there they are. It's like magic. I'm like, I made this. It's like, it's, I'm more proud of these tulips than my children uh, because I'm like, look at kids, get out of the photo. I'm taking a picture of my tulips. Uh, So I got that going for me. I heard the song Your Woman by White Town. You know that I could never be your woman. Like, I, I heard it for the first time. It's probably been five years since I've heard it and it is thoroughly ingrained in my mind. And so I'm looking at tulips singing I could never be your woman oh my to myself. Gosh. You're a hot spring mess. I can't. I just it doesn't like I'm worried that it can't stay this good. Look, I mean, long. this is this is an exciting new passion for you. Which one? The I could never be your woman <laughs> or the tulips. Both. They're both exciting new passions for me. Your I feel like it's gardening. all downhill from here. I'm just going to be honest. I don't see how we keep this up. You've gone from being one of those CrossFit people who talks about CrossFitting all the time to, <laughs> to being to being one of those plant people who talks about their plants all the time. Oh, I will. I, will, I, I I've melded the hobbies. Like now I pull weeds and I, I make sure my back is straight and engage my hips. And I just... I can pull the deepest root. Like it's, it's a, I'm like, I could go get a tool and remove, and remove that root, but I think I can tear it out with my deadlift. And I just, oh my yeah. God. So I, I was really, it's all come together for me into this beautiful, uh, you know, combination of skills and interests. It's ridiculous. You realize that, right? God, yeah. I love it. All right. I'm just, 
It's all good. All right, let's talk about things. <laughs> let's talk about things. Let's, before we lose any more listeners, um, <laughs> if there are any listeners left after that, let's go ahead and talk about something useful. Uh, yeah, so we have a good one this week. I'm excited to get into this with you. So yeah, we had um, we had a message from uh, from a friend of ours, and they are struggling with something that I think is pretty common right now in a lot of clinics. And a lot more clinics are starting to grapple with this as things change again in our practices. So um, this is a friend whose uh, practice is in a state where veterinarians were included in the original um, early release of vaccines. So they are eligible to get their vaccines. And they said that they advocated daily to their team to get the vaccine for months. The doctors all got it. The care staff all got it and the parents of kids got it. And so in their practice, that represents the high end of the pay scale and the lower end of the pay scale. Um, but they have this chunk of team members in the very middle of their team um, that did not choose to get the vaccine. And mm -hmm. so they now have a COVID positive employee um, and at one of, uh, at the, at the hospital, five out of their six technicians have to quarantine for the next two weeks, um, because they are in an area where their local requirements are a 14 day quarantine. And, uh, this, this person shared that they found out that it was possible for them to require the vaccine for their team. And they're feeling very frustrated and feeling like they maybe should have required getting the vaccine because the struggle bus for the entire team for the next two weeks while they have 90% of their technical team out is going to be real. And so they were super frustrated and they were wondering um, if people are actually requiring their teams to get the vaccine. Yeah, this is, I love this question because this is happening all over the country, right? <laughs> um, as, so I'm telling you in South Carolina, uh, veterinarians just like, as of recording, it's literally been a week that uh, it has been open for veterinarians to get vaccinated. So I got my first vaccine uh, waiting for my second in a couple of weeks. Uh, so that's just and that's sort of part of, part of that is a full disclosure. So you can kind of see where, where my head is on this. But I am getting vaccinated. My wife has gotten her first vaccine. She's a college professor. Uh, and so that is that is where we are in our um, in our family and our uh, you know, and our, our interest in being vaccinated. So mm -hmm. I am I am excited about the vaccine and pro-vaccine. Um, the support staff, it's not open to them mm -hmm. yet here. Mm -hmm. And so we haven't really gotten to this question yet because it isn't available. It is absolutely coming. You know, yeah. what, are, what are we going to do? Especially when you hear like this exact problem of people didn't, get on, didn't want to get vaccinated. And now 90% of our technical staff is quarantining like that is the nightmare mm -hmm. um it is also true that uh employers are able to mandate vaccines it mm -hmm. appears um mm -hmm. and so that is a thing um what we can do and what is ultimately the smartest thing to do are not always the same right and i think that we should start to parse that apart so um yes. yeah do you have initial thoughts on this before we start to lay out all the pieces because i'm going to start we got to start. We got to start with philosophy. I, I think we have to look at the larger culture in America uh, before we get into this. And and like, man, that's a big wide start. But I think we got to go there. <laughs> I I agree. I mean, I think 
I, I think we have to start with looking at how the country as a whole is looking at at it. And I think the the that we see the country represented in our clinics and that this is a very deeply dividing issue for people. I think across across the board, right? Um, the country and um, and within our clinics. And I think that's really represented right here in in this um, in this letter we got. This is something yeah. that people feel very strongly about on both sides. And there is a very, very wide gray zone in the middle with a lot of people that don't know how they feel one way or the other. So, uh, I yes, yes. I think that uh, looking at this as a vaccine issue is a mistake, mm -hmm. and it is a recipe for frustration. Um, in some cases, this is about a vaccine. In a lot of cases, this is not about a vaccine. You know, it's manifesting as a vaccine, but this is sure. not about a vaccine. There was a poll a couple of months ago, and it looked at Americans and asked them, um, hey, are you going to get this vaccine? Mm -hmm. And about 55% of them said that they were unsure mm -hmm. of whether or not they would get the vaccine. And since that time, that undecided number has gone way down. Unfortunately, it has split. It has pretty evenly split towards, I am not getting this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the other half says, I am definitely getting this. Mm -hmm. Right. We've got right now, I just saw this week, there was a, a study that came out and it said one in four Americans plan to refuse the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, tw uh, yeah, 25% of Americans say, uh, it's from Monmouth University that just came out first week of March. Um, 25% are like, nope, yeah. not, not going to get it. Um, I think this is part of a larger culture war in America, right? I mean, I think that we're, we're starting to, we've seen this and you look around. I do not think that this is a division of people who want the vaccine and people who don't want the vaccine. I unfortunately, I think that we have got um, there's some serious tribalism in our country right now. And I think that the vaccines have become politicized in some uh, in some ways. And um, this is about a belief system for a lot of people and not about education on the vaccine. Yeah. And th that's not uniform. There are there are probably people out there who are still like, you know, if I, th I mean, I would just need to believe that it was safe. Uh, those people mm -hmm. do exist. Mm hmm. There's a lot of people where that is not the case. This is, you know, this is this is a tribal thing. They yeah. are in one tribe and that does that tribe does not believe in wearing masks or in getting vaccines, you know, and we're just stereotyping here. But it sort of if you say, well, what is this sort of culture war that Andy's talking about? Um, you know, the the areas of debate where people tend to divide into these tribes would be uh, at the extremes. I'm talking about, you know, you have, say, in one side, you have sort of liberal Twitter and on the other side, you have the the pro-Trump group, you know, who's like uh, that. Th those are sort of two. Those are the two far edges of the sort of two tribal groups. I guess I'm sort of talking about. Mm -hmm. They tend to disagree over things like climate change, uh, wearing masks, um, gun rights, things like right. that. And there, it, but there's this there's this collection of issues that people tend to go into a in, into a tribe about. And so I lay all this down to say. Um, I think the first mistake we make is thinking that this is a vaccine issue. And if we talk to them about vaccines, then it's going to I can convince them of the science. And what we're finding is that it's very, very difficult to convince people mm -hmm. of science using data. Right. 
And I don't think that's going to be any different inside of, of vet practices. Well, what's really interesting to me is that um, I have seen and heard from a lot of managers, and it actually surprised me very much so the number of people that I have seen where the, these discussions, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, ha some of the discussions to have with your team and what does that look like? And but but it really has surprised me how many people have said that this has brought about discussion on a broader scale um, about belief systems and about vaccines in in general. And mm -hmm. we are we are people working in a scientific field, and it amazes me on the regular how many people are saying that members of their teams are saying I don't actually believe in the science. And that's mind boggling to, to me that we could be working in a scientific medical field and that there can be so many people that that don't hold that belief system. And yet at the same time, I see it. I see it with friends in human healthcare and in human medicine where it's it's the same. And I think that your point is the reason why, which is, is that for a lot of people this does not feel like a scientific discussion. It feels like an actual belief system discussion. Yeah. And those are in their minds. Those are two very different things. Yeah, no, and I, I, com I completely agree. That, that's exactly that's exactly what I'm saying. And that is what makes this issue so difficult and so frustrating, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been talking recently about um, head, heart and hands disagreements. Right. So most most disagreements fall into one of those three categories and oftentimes there's overlap so uh head heart and hand so head is an information problem mm -hmm. and so this would be if people didn't know the data on vaccination sure or they weren't convinced of the safety mm -hmm. then that's a head disagreement you say you think you say it's safe i'm not convinced it is safe right. we can resolve this disagreement by going to the data, data. together and mm -hmm. looking at it and and saying okay let's get educated on this right and there there may be people in your practice who have a head disagreement they they're just yes. unsure they're uncertain those people are definitely going to be open to data and they're going to be open to talking about uh you know to talking about vaccine efficacy and mm -hmm. safety and clinical mm -hmm. trials and things like that and yeah this vaccine uh compared to traditional vaccines was developed very rapidly i don't think we should discount that right the the clinical trials that it went through were robust and fairly exhaustive and so while it was they moved very quickly um the standards that were met were were very high and those things are things that can be clearly laid out we can look at them you know we can investigate we can get that information mm -hmm. um the heart disagreement is about meaning right it is the belief system mm -hmm. and part of it is i don't want to be subjugated in any way, shape, or form, right? Sure. I don't want to be forced to do something. There's a lot of people, and I fall into this camp. This is kind of how I'm wired. Um, you can trigger a backlash effect with me pretty easily. My wife is like, if I tell you to do something, you don't do it. Just, <laughs> just because I told you to do it. And that's not always true, but there is some truth sure. to it. You know what I mean? Sure. As soon as she comes in and goes, ah, this bedroom is a mess. You need to clean this up. I like just settle in to watch TV. I'm not. <laughs> and again, that is childish. And do I do not hold that up. And I have gotten much, much better about that over my life. That's very much a 22-year-old Andy Rourke thing. You sure. know what I mean? But it's still, I still have that inkling of, 
uh, if you try to tell me what to do, if you try to make me do something, I'm going to resist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just because I don't want to be made to do something. Mm-hmm. And so that is that is a lot of it with the meaning, right? Some people are like, I don't, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with, um, you know, having this sort of forced upon us. There's people who make these uh, liberty and personal freedom arguments, and you know, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to get into those debates. That's beyond the scope of what you and I are trying to do here. But I'm just saying you need to know that those agreements exist and people do have those feelings. Sure. And this can very much be a, a meaning thing. And so let me let me summarize the argument like this. If you're dealing with someone who for them this is a a, a heart debate and for a lot of people it is. Mm-hmm. From their point of view, they do not want to inject something into their body. And their employer is forcing them to do that to keep their job. Mm -hmm. And if you empathize, if you can just, uh, I'm not saying you have to agree with that perspective, but it's a a great perspective taking exercise of, I don't, it's not my perspective, but what is their perspective? If you see that perspective and you say, I understand that you see it that way, you can see why this can be such an explosive situation, why people would kick back so hard, yeah, and why this can be a complete quagmire to bog your practice down in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the last thing is that and the last thing is a hands uh, a hands uh, you know debate, and that is just we don't have time to do this. How are we going to get you know to get the vaccines done? I'm working all the time and I have childcare issues. How will I ever get over to the other side of town and get this done? It's a logistics issue. Mm-hmm. And that of all of these, that is probably the easiest, mm-hmm. the easiest to address. But mm-hmm. but those are sort of the, the three categories of debate that I like to think about. Um, for this exercise, we're going to talk a little bit about the head uh, debate. And mostly I think we need to talk about the heart debate. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because um, when you look at, um, I, I've been following this whole thing closely from an HR perspective. And when you look at how um, big companies and companies outside the veterinary space have addressed it, they're very much addressing it from the head and the hands perspective. And we're going to talk a little bit about things that you, that we can do as employers to address it from that perspective. But I have not seen anybody looking at it from the heart perspective and being willing to have some of those hard conversations with our team and look at, look at our team cultures and look at our team values and really kind of get into it a little bit. And, and I guess for me, it's hard because it goes, a lot of that kind of goes against some of the basic HR principles, right. Of, mm-hmm. of staying out of staying out of people's lives. But at the same time, I don't think that we can find solutions to this that are going to be applicable across our teams if we don't look at the heart piece. Right. Oh, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Like, it's just, like it is not going to work if we don't look at the heart piece. Well, you know, here's the other thing. This is this is why this is so painful, because there are a lot of our people, especially a lot of our audience that listens to, to this podcast, mm-hmm. who are managers, um, who are process people Mm -hmm. they are rule people they're like people should do what they're supposed to do and this is what the rule is and you should follow the rule (laughs) you know what i mean and that is a that is a a big personality type among our listeners and that's why they're that's why they're in management because they're like you should follow the rules and these are the rules and we will clearly state the rules and like that's generally a great way to run a business it really is but those people philosophically slam 
into the brick wall that is, this is my belief. Mm-hmm. Like, these are my personal beliefs. Yeah. And and those two worldviews just crash. I mean, the unstoppable force and the immovable object just come together. And that's why this is going to be such a big conversation in, in clinics, because a lot of us are like, look, we have made a rule that you need to be vaccinated. Right. And my expectation is you follow the rule. And they're like, my personal belief is this is stripping me of of my rights and forcing me to do something and violating mm-hmm. my personal dignity. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to do it. And I will fight you with religious fervor over it. And so, again, I that's not everybody, but I guarantee that our listeners are going to see that. So I think um, to kind of figure out where we start with the headspace. I think one of the things that you can do is look at um look at your team's culture from the perspective of what has happened, what it what is the history with your team? What has happened thus far? And I actually think it goes further back than if you roll it back even further than COVID and start with something as simple as um, what has happened previously? Um, if you're a clinic where you have recommended, strongly advocated, whatever whatever phrase you want to use for it, for flu vaccine, what did your mm-hmm. team What did your team do there? What did they do when you started requiring masks and you started making those policy and protocol changes? Um, at the very beginning of COVID. What did that look like for your team? And then as we got deeper into it and we realized that this was not just going to be a two-week thing and then it wasn't going to be a six-week thing and we were we were months into it, what did they start to do when we really buckled down on the cleaning protocols and having them stay six feet apart and changing fundamentally some of the ways that we practice veterinary medicine to keep each other six feet apart in the clinic as much as we possibly could um, what did they have to say if you um, required them to eat lunch six feet apart or have a minimum number or a maximum number of people that could be in your break room or your lunchroom? All of those things are things that um, from a headspace perspective, that if you sit back and look at how has your team handled those kind of things, they're going to be big clues for you in terms of how the vaccine discussion might go within your team. Oh, yeah. I I think that's so smart, right? The conversation, look at what worked in your we're requiring mask conversation or we're requiring curbside conversation. Mm -hmm. Boy, if you didn't learn anything going through that with your team, you really missed a trick. I'm sorry. You know, you really did. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look back at what worked because like those are going to be your best tools mm-hmm. to have this vaccine conversation. Yep. They, they, they really are like, what did you appeal to, to try to get them on board? And ultimately, uh, yeah, that's it. What did you appeal to? Were there influencers inside of your practice that you were able to get on board and they, um, you know what I mean? And they got other people to kind of buy in or they led by example or, you know, or things like those, those same mechanics are going to be big mechanics in this push as well. And so I I think that's so smart, Stephanie. The first thing is sit back and do a post-mortem on your mask protocol and on your curbside protocol 
and just just catalog what you learned or, or what you would go back and tell yourself now. Just go back and say, mm-hmm. if I could go back in time and talk to myself before I did masks, what would I tell myself? Well, that's probably what you need to tell yourself right now as right. you start to ha- get gear up for a conversation about vaccination. Right. I love that. I want to pick up on 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 the flu thing. And so what I guess what I would like to add to the conversation here in the headspace, right, just at the very beginning, um, I, I think that the one of the things that I have found helpful in, in getting my head around these things is um, I, I want to lower the stakes a little bit and set some realistic expectations, right? And this is why people don't talk a lot about the heart conversation, but I'm just going to lay this out. Um, the truth is when we look at the flu vaccine, and we look at employers who provide the flu vaccine for free mm-hmm. to their employees. Do you know what percentage of people do not get the flu vaccine when it is provided for free with like with time off to go get it uh-huh. or they come to the clinic? It's 44 percent. Yeah, of I was people. I was going to say when I when I uh, offered it um, and looked at it, it was we had 75 percent of the team saying no, thanks. Yes. I mean, think about that. This thing is free. Right. And you're doing like 75% of the people didn't do it across the nation. And these are only for companies that provide it to their employees. Right. Not like you have to go and get it with your own health care right. or pay for it. Like it's free. And 44% of people across the country don't get it. Okay. I think that that's important for us to take in and absorb yeah. just as an expectation setting piece and go, oh, this is going to be. An uphill battle. Uh-huh. The, so, so just, just, just know that like, that's where we are with the flu vaccine. When everything is geared towards making this easy for them to get, half the people still don't get it. Mm-hmm. The other part that I that I just want to put on the table, and again, nobody get mad. Just, just think about this when I say this. It's like, okay, it helps me to stop for a second and say, how much is this going to matter in a year? Like, one year from now. You know, how big an issue is this going to be? And I'm not saying it's not going to be an issue. I think it will be. But I'm I'm saying this because I feel like it's easy to catastrophize and be like, this is a hill worth dying on. And, you know, and we're going to have to live our lives in fear if this doesn't happen. And the the unfortunate truth is that people who don't get vaccinated are probably going to get COVID. And then they will have gotten COVID. And they will have some level of uh, immunity to COVID. And like that's that's morbid and I don't like it. And there's a, te- a lot of terrible things that come out of that. Yeah. But it is truth. As we look at herd immunity, that's one of the biggest drivers of herd immunity is people actively getting infected and then having some level of immunity behind it. And so, sure. again, I'm not putting that forward as a strategy, but I think that it hel- at least helps me to look at this and say, in another year, um, kids will be vaccinated. You know, there will be so many other things that will help towards herd immunity. Um, I just, I don't, I think that people can very easily get into a catastrophic mindset of this is the end of all that is good if we fail to get 100% of our people vaccinated. And I I just need to put it out and be like, okay, let's let's put things in perspective here before we start to talk about what we're going to do. Yeah. No, I, I think I think it's a super, super valid point. And I think I think it's really easy. And I can completely empathize with, with this person and where they were coming from with their practices. Like I'm staring down two weeks of hell. 
where I have no bodies and at the same time, and, and so I can empathize in the moment how you could feel the panic. And at the same time, if, if mm-hmm. we step back and we zoom out to what has happened in the last year, we've had multiple, at least in my clinic, we've had multiple times where we face down two weeks with half the team out because this is not this is not a new thing that has suddenly popped up since the vaccine became available. This is what a lot of us have been grappling with over the last year. And it might not feel as dire as it does for this person in this moment because, I mean, five out of six technicians, that's a hard hit to your team. But if you have the capacity to let go of the the anger and the frustration and the fear and anxiety and all of the feelings that I can totally understand a leader in this situation having, if you can step back and zoom out for a second and think about how did we survive the other situations that we have, that we have dealt with in, in this last year, how did we get through that and think about it from a problem solving perspective? The reality is two weeks out of 52 weeks is a very small blip in time. And so I think some of I, I think you're totally right when you say be careful of catastrophizing and know that this is going to pass, not from the perspective of minimizing what is happening for anyone right, right now, but from the perspective of this is a when you really zoom out, this is a little a little blip in the whole in the whole time process. It makes it easier to let go, at least for me, of some of that frustration and anxiety and 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 be in a space where you can safely start to have some of the conversations with the team because if you start to look at this and think about how do I set policy how do I set protocol how do I respond to this and you're in the emotional place of having received this news and this information that half you know three quarters of your team is going to be gone for two weeks right it's really easy to be in that in that catastrophic reactionary, let me reach for the flaming raging sword of justice mm-hmm. and, you know, strike them all down <laughs> for not following oh, the yeah. rules. Like it's very easy to think about setting pro- policy and protocol from that place. Oh, and let me just say, I am very aware that the person who has their t- team out right now for two weeks is flipping me the bird right. through their iPhone. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's going to be great in a year, you jerk. Like, no, I I, try to, I see the contrast between having to deal with this and Andy being like, this is not going to be a big deal. So uh, there's there's nuance in what I'm saying. Um, if For me, that realization is not saying, don't worry about it. That's not what I'm right. saying at all. What I'm saying is... Um, before we decide that this is a battle for the soul of your practice and the future of your practice, maybe ratchet it down a little bit to this is a battle uh, for not having a really dicey, possibly really headachey next year coming up. You know what I mean? Totally. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying this is not a battle worth fighting, but I, I just, I feel like sometimes we can get sucked into this idea of this is everything forever in the future and i just want to i want to try to ratchet the stakes down because it makes us better at negotiating with our team when we don't see the stakes as being monumentally high totally so i'm trying to sort of get some perspective on in five years how much are you going to be thinking about this 
right so anyway that that's kind of where i'm trying to get with the with with the general headspace is like okay let's get some perspective on this and and i i feel like for me that's that's mostly the headspace this too shall pass a year from now do you think that you're going to be uh sitting here and sweating this in the same way i I don't um i think that that feels like a good place to take a quick break and then maybe dive into because for me uh in terms of how do we solve this i think there's there's two things i want to i want to talk real quick about how do we face down the how do we face down the next two weeks but then also the the actual question which is do can should I vaccine? Should I require vaccines for all of them? How do I? How do I start to approach setting policy and protocol for this? Yeah, let's do it. Oh man! All right, I am so excited. We have so much good stuff coming up in Charted. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what we've got coming up? Heck yeah! Uh, first things up is my personal branding talk. I'm talking about marketing for uh, veterinarians or people who want to grow their relationships with uh, with pet owners, honestly. So that's uh, that's the big thing. If you have any interest in uh, in social media and blogging, podcasting, writing, uh, things like that, then this would be a great workshop for you. It is uh, free to our members. It is 99 bucks for the public, which is a super steal. It's two hours. It's on March 28th. And then, Stephanie Goss, we have the big daddy, the April Uncharted Conference. This is the granddaddy of them all. Is our marketing strategy <laughs> conference. This is the one that started them all. It is virtual this year. Mm-hmm. It is going to be all about simplifying and streamlining your communications to do more with what you already have. That is going to be April 22nd through the 25th. Uh, is registration is now open. We will put links for all of this down in the show notes. So excited. Now let's get back to the episode. All right. Let's go ahead and start to talk about how to actually have this. Let's make a plan and then let's have this conversation with our team if that's how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Sound good? Yeah, totally. Right, cool. And I think I think for me, the, the first thing and we've talked about this before on the podcast so we're not going to dive into it too much here but just for the person who wrote this like one of the things that that you need to think about is you've you've already done this you've already handled this like I promise in the last year in the last 12 months that we've been dealing with COVID you have had to face some hairy situations and so sit back and give yourself a little pat on the back and look at what did work did you rearrange your schedule? Did you reschedule appointments? Did you, um, you know, borrow people from another site if you're a multi-site practice? Did you, um, you know, change your hours? What are the things that we have done? And we've been talking about these things for the last 12 months. It's really easy to feel like you're in drowning in a pool of helplessness when you're staring down two weeks with no technicians. I totally empathize with that. But here's where, um, take a step back. And look at what you've done really well and what has worked and just figure out how to get through and put one foot in front of the other. Because, um, you know, like we were talking about before the break, two weeks in the grand scheme of things is a is a minimal amount of time. And you can come up with a plan and work the plan and deal with the next two weeks because trying to deal with setting policy and protocol while you are staring down two weeks with no technicians is probably a really bad idea. And so I'm going to tell you (laughs) to put down (laughs) that flaming raging sword and put it in the closet for two weeks and deal with the next two weeks of your life 
and then circle back to this and figure out how are you going to address this with your team? Because I promise if you try and address it now while you're frustrated and feeling all of the emotions that you're feeling, it's not going to yeah. go well. That's that's a great, that's a great first point. <laughs> yeah, this is 100% about like you need to be in the right. This is surgery. Right. You know, this is this is communication surgery that you're going to do. And like you need to be well rested and in the right headspace. And that's why I also sort of said the thing about um, trying to get perspective and ratchet down the stakes in your mind because you're going to need to, you're going to need to be relaxed and open and listening and hearing and communicating well. And so picking the time and the place is going to be uh, is going to be important. Yeah. Now, from from a problem solving perspective, I think it's really important to know what the concerns and limitations are from a HR and from a legal perspective. And so the first piece is I'm shocked at how often I still see people sharing an article on Facebook about your employer can require you to get vaccinated. And the answer to that is, is absolutely yes. Um, and so uh, know that, that uh, they can, your employer can require it and um, it is fair game. And at the same time, Everyone should be aware that the first in what I'm assuming is going to be many uh, lawsuits has been filed against an employer who required vaccination for an employee. And so um, it has already started in the courts. And I would imagine that there is going to be um, more cases to follow and there will be precedent set. It hasn't been set yet. Um, and so knowing, though, that that is coming has made a lot of employers sit back and think about what are my what are my liabilities here? Do I want to deal with the legal ramifications if I require this and then an employee turns around and sue, sues me? And so the answer is yes, you absolutely can require it of your employees. You should really talk to legal counsel <laughs> and uh, you should look at it from an HR perspective because there are there are potential consequences of very, very, uh, that carry very much weight and gravity for you as an employer if you do require it. And that's, I don't say that to discourage anyone from requiring it, but just you should go into it with all of, armed with all of the information um, mm. because employees are already starting to sue their employers. This <laughs> is point number one. I think the second piece that a lot of us talk about is, okay, well, if I'm not going to require it, how do I strongly encourage them to do it, right? And that goes back to the point about, um, you know, something that I have talked about and done previously when it comes to the flu vaccine. Can I bring it in? Can I pay for them? Can I make it super easy for them to do? Um, can I give them time off to go get vaccinated? Can I, um, you know, give them rewards or bonuses or things like that. Um, and yes, you absolutely can give incentives to your employees. And when we look at the news and we look at what um, companies outside of veterinary medicine are doing, that is what we most frequently see is employers who are leaning into um, incentives for their team to get vaccinated. I think the biggest thing that is often overlooked in veterinary medicine is that um, we don't necessarily do the best job at educating ourselves on on the legal or tax implications for things like that and there are um there are implications for incentives and so again this is a place where if you haven't had a conversation about this with your business attorney and with your CPA I would just 
give them a give them a shout, give them a phone call and ask them, hey, I am looking at trying to encourage my team to get vaccinated. What are the things that I need to be aware of? Because there is a whole handful of them um, that you need to think of in terms of incentives, time off, your role in helping that process, things you need to do uh, when someone has a religious or a medical exemption, things that have to do with HIPAA and you're collecting medical information. All of those things have to be considered from an HR and a legal perspective. And so when you sit down to look at that, this, the number one thing I can say is that you are setting a precedent no matter what you do. And so going it into it with open eyes and armed with all of the information that you can be armed with is the smartest choice that you can make as a, as a team leader. I, I love that. Um, so I, th- that is the HR case to be made. And that's, that is a wonderful, wonderful summary and update of all the things to think about. I think the things that, uh, that people don't tend to think about, like we said, is um, be be smart and be very careful about getting into your employees' medical histories mm-hmm. and what questions you ask and things like that. And yeah. so, you know, my 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 strong preference is to lean on third party providers for things like this and be like, I don't want to know anything. I you know, like yeah. I don't I don't I don't I just I just try to minimize those those interactions and, and again you can definitely tackle them and there are right ways to tackle them that just is a big flag for me is is when we start here's how you go well i just want to give them a vaccine well here's how you get into it right is that you say i just want to give them a vaccine uh and you have to have it unless you have a medical exemption and then you're talking about medical exemptions and what mm-hmm. classifies a medical exemption and that can be the slippery slope that gets you into some hipaa stuff mm-hmm. and it just it's it can be dicey and so just be ready for that i think for our um you know if you work at one of the big corporate groups uh they're going to have an hr department that is going to be all up on this and they are going to have their ducks in a row but if you're a solo single you know independent practice standing alone or even a practice of you know two or three practices you might not have the hr muscles to really lift this load and Mm -hmm. do it well so just Think about it and know what you're getting into before you say this is the policy, mm-hmm. and and we're we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. So the the parts I want to put on the other side of that too is you know um, we we're seeing you know some lawsuits and people saying well you know I'm being forced to do this and I don't want to do it. I think the moral responsibility on the other side too is I would say you know we do have a moral and probably a legal responsibility to offer a safe workplace for our employers and so that's where we're really kind of stuck in a rock and a hard place is some people go i'm going to sue you if you make me get this and then you and then you worry you go well what happens if i don't require it and then someone else gets really sick because they got it at work you know what i mean and and then you know we didn't do what we were supposed to do there it's just very hard because precedent has not yet been set yes um so, so so i'm looking at that so so let's let's kind of bring this back around uh, to what your what your real options are. And I'll just tell you kind of what I see. When I look at the practices and where we are, I, I think you have two options, okay? You can go for it. You can say, we are going to require this vaccine. We are legally able to require this vaccine. Uh, this is how we are going to confirm that you have been vaccinated. We're going to need to see that card that they give you, mm-hmm. and that will go in your file or blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And we will figure out how to do the religious or medical exemptions but we are doing it and that is that mm-hmm. you can do that i i think you need to go into it with eyes wide open about the heart 
uh, dis- disagreements that we talked about before. Yeah. You should know that 25% of Americans say they are not going to get the vaccine. And of that 25%, 80% say they don't care what their employer says. Like even if their report employer requires it, mm-hmm. they're still not going to get mm-hmm. the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Now, does that mean they will actually quit their job? I don't know. You know what I mean? I think it's easy to put one thing on an anonymous survey. Right. You know what I mean? And and just be like, yep, that's what it is. But then when it actually comes to it, will they do it? How many of them are bluffing? I don't know. You know, I, I really, I don't have any idea. Not all of them. Uh, I, I, I don't know. So yeah. I think your first option is you say, we are going to do this. We are going to require it. Know that you are going to get some very strong backlash from some people. Some people have decided they do not want this thing injected into their body. Mm-hmm. And you forcing them to do that in order to keep their job uh, may get a real righteous, you know, moral uh, pushback from mm-hmm. them. And they will see this as a justice issue yeah. in some cases. And, you know, I don't know how many people that will be for you. I, you know, I, I don't know if that means that they will quit. So a lot of them will stay and just be resentful. And that will be a thing that might fester or it might go away with time, you know, but there is going to be there's going to be some blowback from doing this. I'm not saying it's not worth it. I'm saying you should go in with your eyes wide open that there Mm -hmm. will be some blowback. That's Mm -hmm. option number one. Mm -hmm. Option number two is softer and it is going to be encouraging your employees to get vaccinated, educating on the vaccines. And we can talk a little bit about how to do that because it's it's a little bit different, I think, than some people think. I'm a big fan of incentivizing the vaccines. One of the things to know about incentivizing vaccine is legally uh, in order to do it, it you cannot over incentivize it. Meaning if someone has a religious uh, thing that prohibits them from getting the vaccine and you give this massive incentive to people who do get it, then that can be an HR problem. Mm-hmm. And so what I've seen in the literature and other industries is, you know, 25 to $50 gift card, probably going to be good. You know, something in there, if you start getting up significantly over that, then you're starting to, to maybe get into some gray areas as far as how big the incentive is that you're offering. Mm-hmm. But make it easy to get, uh, encourage it. I think incentivizing it is a good idea. Um, and, and then I think what you do is, is uh, look at, at the uptake. And we're going to have to uh, talk about and consider continuing our other safety protocols. Mm-hmm. And it may be that if my staff is not going to get vaccinated and they go, you're not going to inject something into me that I don't want. And go, okay, well, we're wearing masks then. Uh, and we're going to wear it until infection right. rates get to X, X level. Or we're going to stay on curbside because our staff is not getting vaccinated. And, you know, uh, we've already fought that battle and, and we can continue it. But and again, I'm not... I'm not trying to be dictatorial with this, but it is very much like, guys, there's no scenario where you guys don't get vaccinated and we just go back to normal and pretend that everything is going to be fine for the next six months because that's not going to happen. Well, and I think what you just said is at the heart of how do you start this discussion with your team? Because I I do think that it needs to be an open and honest conversation and just start with, look, these are the things that we have done over the last 12 months to keep, keep each other safe. Right. Vaccinating does not mean that all of these things are necessarily going to go away. A lot of us want to think that if 100% of our team got vaccinated in six weeks time, we could we could go back to, to quote unquote normal, right? The reality is normal, the new normal is not going to be rewinding the clocks to February of 2020. That is not what is going to happen. And there are still a lot of our team members who are holding on to that hope that 
that's that that's going to be the case. And so I think sitting down and having the conversation with them and saying, okay, let's talk about the things that are not going to change no matter what. And then let's talk about the things that could change if the majority of the team uh, or the, the entirety of the team got vaccinated. And if we can't come to, no matter what agreement we come to, this is where we're all going to have to meet in the middle because there's going to have to be compromise here. And so starting that conversation with them and talking to them openly and honestly about the fact that just because everybody gets vaccinated doesn't necessarily mean that we can go back to, um, you know, being all up in each other's faces while we eat lunch every day or, um, you know, uh, not wearing not wearing masks. Um doing some of the other things that were normal before all of this started in our practices because that's yeah. that's what a lot of our team hopes they they want to relax on the protocols and they want to not have to scrub everything down with bleach every time a you know someone walks out of the room like everybody wants the stress and anxiety and the things that are impacting significantly our work our workflows in the clinic everybody wants those things to go away they're tired of it and the reality is you have to start the conversation with them about the fact that not all of that is going to change in an instant because everybody gets vaccinated. Yeah, uh, that that I, I completely agree. That That's just expectation setting. So there's there's two conversations that we want to have and we can kind of weave these together. But we're going to go talk to the team. Let, let, let's say, you know, uh, we're going to go talk to the team. You want to have the head conversation. Right. And so I want to try to persuade the people who are in the head space where they uh, they're not sure if it's safe or mm -hmm. they're not sure if the benefits are going to be there or, you know, what what the side effects are going to be like. How am I going to feel and all those sorts of things? Sure. Uh, we should talk to those people. We should we can talk about data. We can talk about efficacy. We can point them where they want to go. I would say uh, be efficient here and, you know, provide resources without making the whole team sit through multiple hours of lecture right. on the safety of this vaccine, because that's not going to go the way that you want. Um, I think I think one of the things that we have seen as far as actually changing people's minds and making a difference is personal stories mm -hmm. of me. Uh, you know, it's one thing for me to sit in front of the staff and read data to them. It's another thing for me to say, hey, guys, um, I have gotten vaccinated and my wife has gotten vaccinated and this is why we did it. And this is, this is our thought, you know what I mean? And this is our concerns. And the truth is, you know, veterinarians are influential in the practice. I mean, uh -huh. if your staff respects you, they, they, that doesn't mean they're beholden to you or they're going to immediately do what you did, but they'll generally listen to you say, this is why I did what I did. And this is why I feel the way that I feel. Sure. And those are the types of conversations that can give them the information that they need um, without making them feel beaten over the head. And, and also, with, and when this is a big one, I, we do not want these people to feel shame. Mm -hmm. If you feel strongly that, they should, that, that vaccines should happen, everyone should get vaccinated, and they do not feel that way, if you try to make them feel ashamed or guilty into doing this, uh, what we've seen again and again when we look at the research on changing people's minds is this backfires, yeah. and it, it drives them deeper into, into the opposite corner and, uh, and generally does not go well. And so I do not want to have a guilt-driving, shame-driving conversation yeah. uh, when I do this. So that, that's, the, that's the head conversation. The heart conversation, um, in order to have a good conversation with the team, we need to be a bit vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You know, we need to talk to them about what, what are we worried about? Mm 
-hmm. What are our concerns? We need to talk to them about our feeling of responsibility uh, for keeping everybody safe Mm -hmm. and also for making sure that we have staff to see our patients. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, we have people who are high risk for other problems and we and we have people with kids and kids are not vaccinated. And I don't want them to take this home and, you know, and and uh, and pick up. you know, pick up COVID, uh, you know, as a, as a child. And there's, there's just the, whatever your, your beliefs are, you know, I think you can talk about that, not in a preaching way, but in a vulnerable way to say, these are, these are what I worry about guys. And then, and then listen. And that's a big thing is that this can't be a sermon that you give and then roll up the vaccine drug, you know? Um, yeah, totally. This, this needs to be a conversation and we're going to need to listen to the people. And so, especially if you have influencers in the practice, people who, you know, who, have a lot of sway or those are people we're going to need to talk to them. And even they may not decide that they're going to get the vaccine, but they may get a whole lot less vocal about it, you know, and they may agree that they'll wear their mask, um, you know, and, 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 you know, and come along part way. I think that's one of the hard parts about the vaccine is it's hard to meet in the middle. You either get the vaccine or you don't get the vaccine. Um, as close to we get as meeting in the vid- middle is taking someone who is a vocal opposition, uh, you know, leader and turning them into a quiet, um, you know, non-participant. Yeah, I, I, I think the other, the only other piece of the team heart discussion for me is there has to be a place of it. It has to be a conversation where they feel psychologically safe to have it. So they have to feel like you are um, that they have trust and support to say what they're really thinking and you need to shut up and listen. And one of the hard parts for us when we have very strong beliefs is sitting on our hands and biting our tongues and letting other people talk. But this is very much a conversation where the biggest chance for success comes from starting the conversation and asking them open-ended questions and then actually listening to what they have to say. We can absolutely share the data. We can share our our personal beliefs and our reasonings and and be vulnerable and be be brave and um, have the conversation with them. And you might even need to lead the start of the conversation. But if as the leader, you opinion all over them and tell them, mm-hmm. well, this is what I think, this is what I believe, this is why I want you to do it, you're not creating a space that is very inviting for them to sit down at the table and say, this is what I'm worried about, or this is what I'm afraid of. It feels good because it feels like we're leading by example. And at the same time, this is very much a conversation where we need to ask them some good questions and then be okay with the uncomfortable silence and let them come to the table and really start the conversation. Yeah, I think that's great advice. You got any uh, last points words of wisdom to add no this is this is a good one i know that this is not the only clinic out there who is grappling with this i think we're going to start to hear more and more and more of this as become as vaccines become more readily available in other areas and this is definitely one of those things where regardless of how you tackle this you are going to have to set a policy and a protocol about this at some point in time even if that just means you're not you're not mandating vaccines. You're not speaking to getting the vaccine at all, but you are telling your team, this is how we are going to continue to operate regardless of anybody's vaccination status. That is still setting a policy and a protocol. And you can bury your head in the sand 
And in a year, we might still be having this conversation. The smart clinics are the ones who are starting to think about this now before they actually have to deal with it and having some of those hard conversations because this is not a one and done. This is a this is a we really have to think this through and think about how does how does it impact everybody before we make a decision or else we might regret some of the choices that we make without all the information in hand. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Thanks, Steph. I appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good week, you guys. Take care. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope it made you think. I hope it uh, opened up some doors for you. I hope it maybe made you feel a little bit less stressed, a little bit more like there's a plan. Um, you know, this is going to be okay. You're going to be fine, no matter what. Just just know that this too shall pass. You are going to do a great job. You are going to do your best. You're going to put one foot in front of the other, and you're going to grow and learn as a leader uh, by going through this. Smooth seas make weak sailors, and, uh, and you know, it's good to have challenges so anyway try to look at it in an optimistic light but step up have the conversations do what you think is best and work with your team anyway guys take care be well i'll talk to you soon bye cool are you doing okay Mm -hmm. am i am i getting us into hot water no no you're good there's a couple times you just looked at me and i was like okay maybe i need to say this again (laughs) Or say this in a different way. Nope, you're good. I don't want to. I don't want to be like. Andy's like, don't worry. This is just let him get sick, and we'll be fine. Like that's not what I'm saying. Oh. All right. Cool. You ready? Yep.